That's an archival recording of the great Russian pianist and composer Sergei Prokofiev performing his iconic piece, Fugitive Visions. We heard movement number 18. It's always a treat when you can hear a composer perform his or her own music, especially somebody from really a different era like Sergei Prokofiev. But in our own era, his grandson, Gabriel Prokofiev, is also a prolific composer. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bostead. I'm calling today's program Generations. I wanted to feature composers like Gabriel Prokofiev who grew up in a highly musical family. Maybe the composer that is their father or mother or grandfather is a famous figure, maybe not. Either way, though, for the young composer, this is a huge thing to grow up in the household of a musician and then to decide to get into music yourself. And so when possible, I have interviews with the composers that I'm featuring about what it was like to grow up in these households. And I'm going to play the music of the two composers side by side whenever I can. First up is a string quartet, the string quartet number two by Gabriel Prokofiev. Here's an excerpt of my interview with Gabriel Prokofiev. I kind of held back on writing piano music for quite a long time. You know, I loved the piano and I played the piano as a teenager and a child. I never really practiced that much, probably because I was intimidated by the legacy of my grandfather being such a great pianist. I always felt that People expected me to be like a super whiz at the piano, and they'd be like, oh, the grandson of Prokofiev, I wonder what he's going to be like. And um, so I was very shy about performing the piano. And also on a, uh, another note that for me, I guess, means quite a lot, is my grandfather only wrote two string quartets, two excellent string quartets, but actually it wasn't an area he worked on that much. And so I feel like there's a kind of a little space there for me to really go for the string quartet as one of my main main mediums it kind of gives my little niche so that's added appeal to it that's an excerpt of my conversation with gabriel prokofiev the conversation that launched the whole program today generations here is the elysian quartet to perform the second movement of string quartet number two by gabriel prokofiev Thank you. 
That's the Elysian Quartet performing music of Gabriel Prokofiev. We heard Movement 2 from String Quartet Number 2. I love that ostinato that runs through the whole piece. It's going from the very beginning all the way through the end, but it never gets boring. He changes it up, puts it in different instruments, and we have all those other wonderful effects in any instrument that's not doing the ostinato, some of which sound like they could be electric guitar licks to me. At any rate, that's music by Gabriel Prokofiev, who is also a DJ and runs the non-classical label in London. Next up, I want to feature music by Elisa Bialava, who is the daughter of Herb Bialava, a pianist and composer. And I was talking with Lisa via email about growing up in this musical household. And I asked her, you know, did she become a composer because Herb was a composer? And what she said is both she and her brother were writing music from such an early age that she now doesn't remember any specific moment in which she said she wanted to become a composer or uh, he's now a singer-songwriter. There was never a moment when they wanted to do that. It was just so normal. And of course, it was because they saw their father writing music at the piano day after day after day. And I think they grew up in this household and were thinking, everybody probably composes music. This is what is normal. So there was never any thought of living up to Herb's music or anything like that. There was never any kind of pressure to be a composer. It was just a very natural thing to become. And I think Lisa is a very naturally musical person. You can hear that in her music. The piece I want to feature is from her double violin concerto, which she wrote for the Boston Modern Orchestra Project. And this is for two violins, as you might think, but one of the violinists is also singing. Carla Kilstedt can play violin and sing at the same time, which I find to be just an amazingly bewildering, wonderfully fantastic talent that she can do. So it's almost a triple concerto when you think about it in that way. At any rate, here is the second movement, Song, of the double violin concerto, the Boston Modern Orchestra Project led by Gil Rose, Carla Kilstedt and Colin Jacobson, the violin soloists, performing the music of Lisa Bialava.
There's a kind of storybook, otherworldly quality to the music of Lisa Villalava. I was thinking that as I was listening to that music again. That's a song, the second movement of her double violin concerto. That was part of what I was thinking about as I was hearing that, this otherworldly quality to the music, how it just sounds like it's telling this wonderful story. But I was also thinking about the performers and just how talented they are. It's amazing the level of talent that we consistently have on the program on Relevant Tones. I don't want to take that for granted. We have Carla Kilstedt here who is playing the violin alongside Colin Jacobson, and they're both fantastic. But Carla is also singing while she's playing, and she's singing something completely different than what she's playing, which I find, again, to be just absolutely fascinating. That is song, the second second movement from her double violin concerto, Gil Rose, conducting the Boston Modern Orchestra Project. Let's have music now by Lisa's father, Herb Bialava, who is a composer and a pianist. I found this great piece called Stone Settings. It is a song cycle, and we're going to hear Marion Marsh, soprano, with Herb Bialava himself at the piano. Here's the fifth movement, Nightland, music of Herb Bialava.
That's music of composer Herb Bialava, who we also heard performing on piano. He was performing with the soprano Marian Marsh, and that's from a song cycle of his called Stone Settings. We heard the movement Nightland, that is the final movement of the piece. Herb Bialava is the father of Lisa Bialava, whose music we heard right before that, and also is kind of an interesting parenthetical to my theme on today's program. Herb studied with Sulima Stravinsky, who was Igor Stravinsky's son. I think it's kind of an interesting factoid that I found as I was researching today's program. Generations. And speaking of generations, can you imagine growing up in the household of the great pianist Jeffrey Kahane? And this is what you're hearing all day long, this beautiful piano music, and then becoming a musician yourself. Well, such is the case with the composer, pianist, and singer-songwriter Gabriel Kahane. And I was able to get my hands on some music that hasn't been released just yet. This is from a forthcoming CD called The Fiction Issue. This is such a great piece of music. I'm so pleased to be able to share it with our listeners. Let's have a listen to The Fiction Issue Part 1. We're going to hear Brooklyn Rider, the great string quartet, Brooklyn Rider, with Shara Warden on vocals. And you're going to hear a little bit of Gabriel himself singing as well. Here's music of Gabriel Kahane from The Fiction Issue. In the early days after the accident, I lived in a small apartment, closet-like in East Harlem. Every morning, I'd visit the bakery, the Portuguese bakery, for coffee and Shades underground, full of reasons. One to be dashing, two to be atomized, three to be a spy. In the early days, after the catastrophe. I was prone to stare at men with starch collars, suits, and briefcases, hairy wrists, and gold watches. I invented their lives, all the strains of their marriages. Fun. 
darkness is thin and white and Hovers above the mark that lurks below. Window gathered up the dust and grime. Kicked up on the seedy street that breaks outside We can't keep out that singular light Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in That's music of Gabriel Cahane, who is also the son of Jeffrey Cahane, a great pianist, also a conductor. He is the conductor of the L.A. Chamber Orchestra, and he does a lot of contemporary music there. In fact, I'm sure that's where he met the composer Andrew Norman. And just recently, Jeffrey Cahane premiered Andrew Norman's new piano concerto, Split, with the New York Philharmonic. So he is definitely interested in contemporary classical music. You're listening to Relevant Tones, a show featuring the music of contemporary composers. My theme today is Generations, composers who grew up in a musical household or who are wrestling with a musical legacy. To subscribe to our podcast or for streaming versions of this and all previous episodes, you can visit relevanttones.com. My theme on the program today is Generations. I kind of got interested in this idea just recently of featuring composers who grew up in musical households and how this affected them. I always thought that because I did not grow up in a musical household, it was such a challenge for me to become a composer and everybody in my family kind of thought I was crazy. But it occurred to me that it could be just as big a challenge to grow up in a musical household, especially if your grandfather was Sergei Prokofiev or something like that. And it's interesting to me how the different composers have responded to this environment, to this musical environment. And so today on the program, I'm featuring music of composers who did grow up in musical households. And when possible, I'm also playing music by their four Next up is my good friend, Misha Zupko, whose father, Ramon Zupko, is also a composer. Misha sat down to talk with us a little bit, not only about his experiences as a composer himself, but also about his father and how he got into music. My dad came from a quasi-musical family. uh, His mother was a pianist, and she played a lot of pop piano in the 40s. But I mean, his interest in classical music really was self-motivated and very much so. Um, He uh, studied piano in high school and started composing. Well, I'm sure he started piano earlier than that, but I mean, he started composing in high school 
and was looking for a way to be able to do this seriously and had a benefactor in a man who worked at a barber shop. Apparently he worked for this man and this man literally gave him the money to go to Juilliard. And so, you know, that was the beginning of his career. So, you know, he got this great opportunity to go to one of the best music schools in the country and he studied with Vincent Persichetti there. And after that, he got a Fulbright to go to Germany and he studied in Darmstadt with Stockhausen, learned, you know, the, the, the genesis of electronic music there and spent about five years in Germany. And so, I mean, he came home very much with that mid-century European aesthetic. I mean, it was very gritty and, you know, a lot of experimentation, a lot of, you know, sonic experimentation, even serial techniques and electronic music was also very important for him. And, and one of the things that he brought back here when he came to teach at Roosevelt was building a, the first electronic music studio here in Chicago and then helped to install one at Northwestern as well. So, I mean, that's one of, I think, his legacies. That's composer Misha Zupko talking about his father, Ramon Zupko, his musical experiences, especially kind of the glory years with Stockhausen in Darmstadt. It would have been a wonderful time to have been in Europe studying music and then bringing those experiences back to Chicago. Also, a great story how he got to go to Juilliard as well. So the next time you're at a barber shop and you're just leafing through a magazine, well, maybe you could underwrite somebody's music education. At any rate, we're going to hear now a movement from a piano concerto by Ramon Zupko. Here's Misha one more time to tell us a little bit about what we're going to hear. I remember very distinctly um, his working on a piano concerto for a Kusevitsky commission that he'd received. And I was about seven or eight at the time. And this was when he had first started encouraging me to write things. And he asked me to write a few themes. And one of those themes became the theme of the second movement of that piano concerto. So there is a real connection that passes between father and son through this. And, you know, sometimes it's as tangible as that, and sometimes it's as intangible as the air. Let's hear this music by Ramon Zupko that was so heavily influenced by his son, Misha. The piece is called Wind Songs. It is his piano concerto, and we're going to hear the second movement. Yoshimi Takeda leads the Kalamazoo Symphony Orchestra. Abraham Stockman is the piano soloist. Thank you. 
music of Ramon Zupko. We heard the second movement of Wind Songs, his piano concerto. What a fabulous performance by Abraham Stockman at the piano. And we also heard Yoshimi Takeda leading the Kalamazoo Symphony Orchestra. When I heard Misha talking about his father Ramon and his experiences with Stockhausen and electronic music, I was expecting the piece to be more of a timbral piece. When you think of electronic musicians writing for acoustic instruments, it seems to me they oftentimes try to write pieces that don't have a lot of rhythmic definition that are more timbral-based. But while Ramon Zupko clearly has an ear for timbre, the piece has a lot of rhythmic definition as well. It's even almost pointillistic at times. Fantastic music by Ramon Zupko. Let's play music now by Ramon's son, Misha. This is going to be on a forthcoming CD on the Sadie label. So this is another piece of music that's not available just yet, a Relevant Tones exclusive. The piece is called Eclipse, and it's for violin and cello. Here are Sang Mi Lee, violin, and Wendy Warner, cello.
That's music by Misha Zupko. It is called Eclipse. And in fact, he has said that it is a musical representation of the movement of heavenly bodies during an eclipse. We heard Sang Mi Lee violin with Wendy Warner cello. My next intergenerational composer pair are Lucas Ligeti and his father, George Ligeti, who in his own time was almost a household name or as much of a household name as a modern composer can be, thanks to his music being used in the films of Stanley Kubrick. He's a composer who possibly our listeners are already familiar with, but nonetheless, I want to play a short piece of his. This is from the Piano Etudes. These pieces have inspired so many composers, tortured a lot of pianists, I think. At any rate, here is one of the short etudes from the first book, expertly played by pianist Pierre-Laurent Aymar. Music of Georges Ligeti. incredible performance by pianist Pierre Laurent Aymar, the dreaded Ligeti piano etudes from book one. I chose that for many reasons. One, it's just a tour de force performance. It's an amazing piece. But two, there are some interesting similarities between the piece that I chose by Georges Ligeti and the piece that I chose by his son, Lucas Ligeti. Lucas Ligeti is very inspired by African music, especially on his album, African Machinery. And what we think of when we think of African music, especially the thumb piano or the mbira, a lot of very complex rhythms, repeated rhythmic cells are all things that we heard in that piano etude. Well, there's certainly things we're going to hear in this piece, Great Circles Tune One. 
Here's an excerpt of Great Circles Tune 1 by Lucas Ligeti. We're also going to hear Lucas manipulating the electronics and the electronic percussion instruments.
That's music inspired by Africa by composer Lucas Ligeti. We heard an excerpt of his piece, Great Circles Tune 1, from his album African Machinery. Prior to that, we heard a piece that is very, very different in intention, certainly not inspired by Africa, and yet I do think there are some similarities in how the piece is structured. A piano etude by Georges Ligeti, the father of Lucas Ligeti. The last composer pair I want to feature on the program kind of fell into my lap. I knew I was researching this show, Generations, and I uh, was at a concert in New York City, and I was reading the program notes, which, of course, you should always do if you're in the audience, and I was reading the bio of a composer who said that he had studied with Justin Delajoyo, the son of composer Norman Delajoyo, and I thought, I didn't know that Norman Delajoyo had a son who was a composer also. That's perfect for the program. So I looked him up. He's a fantastic composer, and so I'm going to close out the show today with music of the Della Joyos. First up is a fun piece by Norman Della Joyo, a composer who enjoyed enormous success in the United States, even winning the Pulitzer Prize for music. One of the things that he was interested in was combining Gregorian plain chant with jazz. And I know that sounds a little bit incongruous, perhaps, but it's not as strange as it seems. In the 1960s, composers like Miles Davis actually got very interested in modes, which are often the scale basis for Gregorian plain chant. So not quite as strange as it might sound, but it's definitely the basis for some fun music. Let's have a listen to Capriccio from City Profiles. Jack Stamp leads the Keystone Wind Ensemble in music of Norman Della Joyo.
short piece by composer Norman Della Gioio from City Profiles. We heard Capriccio, Jack Stamp led the Keystone Wind Ensemble in a bright and fun performance. Let's hear music now by Norman's son, Justin Della Gioio. We're going to hear an excerpt of the first movement of a large-scale work called The March of Folly. Some great performers on this recording, too. We're going to hear Ani Cavafi on violin, Carter Bray cello, and Jeremy Dank piano. Let's hear music from this scion of a great line of composers, Justin Della Gioio. Thank you. 
music by Justin Delajoyo from his piece, The March of Folly. We heard an excerpt of Movement One. It was performed by Ani Kavafian violin, Carter Bray cello, and Jeremy Dank piano. Justin Delajoyo is the son of Norman Delajoyo, but he's also the eighth in a long line of Delajoyo composers. So at this point, it's kind of the family business when you think about it. And maybe it'll be the family business for some of the other composers that I featured on the program today. Generations. Relevant Tones is produced by Jesse McCorders. For more information about the program and the artists we featured, to subscribe to our podcast, and for streaming versions of all previous episodes, you can visit us at relevanttones.com. Relevant Tones is made possible in part by the generous support of the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music, the Amphion Foundation, and the listener supporters of the WFMT Fine Arts Circle. This project is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts. Art Works. I'm Seth Bostead, and this is the WFMT Radio Network.